accessing agent files. Brian Sovereign. Early 21st Century Anarchist. Creator and host of the podcast Sovereign Check. By the year 2021, the show would be instrumental in the downfall of various conservative ideologies in the government, helping usher in an incredible time. Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech. Tired of boring specials about history, science, and technology? Then get on your best headphones because you might want to lay down for this. A Sovereign Tech special with the world's foremost anarchist technophile, Brian Sovereign. He has a huge, well, you know... And now, here's Brian. Mm. The baddest boy on the blockchain here for you for another great special. That's right. We've got a top eight lined up for you. Got a few top eights lined up for you. I kind of, I pre-planned them all. They're all sitting in my, uh, in my OneDrive. Ooh, who says OneDrive these days? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this, this special that I want to, this top eight that I want to go over with you really comes in light of some good things and some really sad things. Uh, One of the, this is all about pretty much, you know, mainline kind of rock, almost pop. I don't even really want to necessarily say pop because I think all of them fit into being rock stars. Uh, And I mean, when, you know, when you get into music and you you get into defining genres and all that, it it really does get ridiculous. Like there's no reason that uh, you can't call, you know, Poison or Motley Crue straight up metal that you have to call it glam metal or hair metal or something. There's no call for that. You know, it's all the same stuff. Um, But anyway, this top eight is going to be pretty much performers, musicians from the 80s that are still a really big deal. Uh, and that are not a big, de- maybe uh, uh, let me correct that. They're not a big deal. That's the problem because they're still making great music. And so I want to highlight them. I want to talk about them, especially since one of them in particular died recently, which was a real shame, uh, because I actually, this person will start off the top eight again, this is going to be so, so pretty much this is eighties musicians that still make great music, but nobody has any fucking clue that they do. Uh, and you know, this, this, we'll start off with number one. And this is a guy that died recently. In fact, he died, uh, August 31st, 2014 at the age of 63, which today I think that's pretty young. I mean, and I'm sure this guy lived a, a pretty good life, but all the same, he's gone now. Uh, and that's Jimmy Jameson. Now, Jimmy Jameson, not everybody might recognize that name off the top of their head, but if you knew the band that he was the lead singer for for most of his life, then you'd probably know who he is. And Jimmy Jameson was the lead singer for Survivor. Now, Survivor, of course, is known best for uh, was I the Tiger, remember, from Rocky Three, uh, or whatever other comedic film it ended up getting put into, uh, as well as they, they had the great song, uh, living for a dream. Oh, fantastic. I mean, there's just, they have, a, they have a two disc greatest hits album survivor does. And it's, it's song for song. It's so good, but not that anybody knows any of the songs, uh, beyond 
you know, be beyond Eye of the Tiger, really. And that's a shame. And of course, that's part of the reason I'm doing this special. But Jimmy Jameson, the lead singer, I mean, he went solo. Uh, well, he did solo work when when he was a really young man back in the 60s. But uh, he went solo like in 91. But he didn't stop there. I mean, you'd say 91 would probably be the heyday of any of that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of pop rock or, again, whatever you want to call it. You probably just call it rock. Uh, but then in 99, he came out with an album called Empires. Uh, then 2008, he had Crossroads Moment. 2010, uh, I mean, he had a lot of extra releases. In, uh, in 2012, this album was awesome. Uh, Never Too Late. And all of that is available, like on Spotify, Google Play, All Access, and it's all great music. And I mean, and in fact, another thing that a lot of people don't know him for or don't realize was him was he actually did the theme for Baywatch. Yeah, you know, the opener. <laughs> uh, and, and just an incredibly talented guy. I had the pleasure of in the in the mid aughts, I actually got to see him perform. Uh, and you know, again, the guy at that time, he was pushing 60 as a lot of the people in this top eight are, uh, you know, if they're not well beyond it and he was still rocking it. I mean, he's still moving on stage. No problem. He looked fantastic. Looked to, to be in great health. Uh, it's a, I mean, obviously, you know, just this, this past year or so he fell into ill health. Uh, but at the time he was doing great, but I mean, nobody, nobody knew who he was. Like when I, in fact, I remember I was saying to my family, my ex family, I was saying, Hey, I'm going to go to a Jimmy Jameson concert and who, you know, Jimmy Jameson. And of course they had no idea who I was talking about. Uh, then I mentioned, you know, survivor, even then they didn't know. It's like, you know, the guys are saying, I had the tigers. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it was. Right. And what a shame, because the guy was so good. And again, he still had albums coming out. Obviously, they did not sell very well. But they're all good. They're, they're all rock solid. Uh, I, Never Too Late, I thought, was an awesome album. And again, that just came out two years ago. And it was really, really great stuff. Uh, and, and, and also, most people don't realize, I think everybody recognizes the Baywatch theme when they hear it. And yet, I bet nobody knows it's Jimmy Jameson, right? So I think he's awesome. If you've never listened to his stuff, give it a shot. And in fact, I can also say that if you're not using services like Spotify or Xbox music or Google play all access or whatever, uh, I can tell you that I think three of the three major albums, Crossroads, uh, you know, never too late. And, uh, when love comes down, you can find those. I think you can find empires too. You can find them on, uh, on kickass.to. So if you really need to go the torrent route, nothing wrong with it, no judgment here on that one. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can grab most of it there. And I, I think it's all absolutely solid work. Uh, but, you know, while we're speaking about Baywatch, let's move on to number two. Number two is someone who, you know, when I say that I listen to this music, when I say I listen to this guy, to his albums, not just one or two songs. I think most people, they laugh. They think I'm joking when there's no joke here at all. This, I, I, in my opinion, this musician, this performer, perhaps more accurately, is serious as a heart attack. And that is the star of Baywatch, David Hasselhoff. Okay, I gave everybody a moment to get their collective laugh out. <laughs> 
No, really. Uh, he is tremendously, I mean, obviously he's an actor. He's tremendously talented. There is no question uh, just how you know powerful of a, of a force the television show Knight Rider was and still is in many parts of the world. Uh, and David Hasselhoff, amazingly, you know, at one point, and we're talking late 80s, uh, you know, and throughout the 90s, this guy, and I know it's this big fucking joke that all oh, the Germans love David Hasselhoff, ha, 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 ha. But no, seriously, he was like the Michael Jackson of Europe. I mean, Michael Jackson was the Michael Jackson of Europe, too. But David Hasselhoff really is a big deal over there. Still is, as far as a musician goes. Uh, I mean, and, and to say nothing of when he was on Broadway, and he he performed uh, Jekyll and Hyde, and he was Doctor Jekyll. Uh, boy, I can listen to that time and time again. He still does. Uh, I mean, he performs Frank Wildhorn's works as well as anybody ever has that's been on the stage. Uh, he he just really pulls out all the stops, and he looks absolutely. I mean, if you haven't seen, there's the DVDs out there. Maybe you can catch it on Netflix. I don't know of David Hasselhoff's performance in Jekyll and Hyde on Broadway. You are in for a treat. I mean, he there's when he becomes Jake or when he becomes uh, Mr. Hyde. I mean, you he looks nuts. He pulls it off so well, uh, you know, and, and his his whole cry for freedom. I mean, I, I love that whole story. The whole story is fantastic. Uh, and, and he really does it. But anyway, he was a pop star. He is a pop star. He still comes out with new albums uh, all the time. And he I mean, even up to. Boy, within the past decade, he's had some great hits. Jump in my car. I love that song. Cause, and in the music video, he's actually riding around in kit. It's so good. Uh, but obviously, a lot of people jokingly know about his his uh, you know his pop slash rock star performance uh, with uh, I'm looking for freedom. Everybody kind of knows that song, and they it was famously retired. They did these video retirements. Uh, where they retired. That was one of the things they retired. They also retired someone who didn't make this list, but I'll make him a quick bonus shot here uh, is uh, Don Johnson with heartbeat. Now he's not still making music. Okay. But, uh, but heartbeat uh, voice on the, on the hotline. I mean, all those uh, other people's lives, great songs that, that, that he performed there, but that got retired at the same time as looking for freedom did. But, Hasselhoff did so much more. Uh, I mean, there's there's great songs. Uh, uh, Je t'aime means I love you. Uh, of course, uh, th there was, let's see, uh, there was the end theme, not the one that Jimmy Jameson did, but the end theme for Baywatch was actually David Hasselhoff performing. You got to reach out, you know, reach out, take hold of my hand, blah, blah, blah. It was an awesome song. Uh, Hands Up for Rock and Roll is a great song. Highway to Your Heart. There's a whole... Uh, Trust me, I'm not looking at a screen here. I know these songs because I listen to them constantly. Uh, he really, uh, man, <laughs> uh, Hot Shot City. That, that's that's uh, probably my favorite uh, by him. And so now I don't know how well you're going to find that music. I have it on, you know, in, in my cloud storage, but that's only because I've actually owned the CDs. I traveled the world to make sure I got my hands on that shit. Okay, and I mean, David Hasselhoff is that good. I know everybody remembers the line from Blade Trinity where uh, Ryan Reynolds' character says, yeah, I'm kind of more of a David Hasselhoff guy myself when he was talking about music, and everybody can have their collective laugh. But no, seriously, Hasselhoff is a phenomenal singer. 
he really does it. Even his rendition of Hooked on a Feeling, which is now, for some reason, just an incredibly huge song. Of course, the original Blue Suede version uh, is the one that everybody's going nuts about. Uh, I mean, he did that and he did it well. The guy does everything well. His personal life sucks, no doubt. But I mean, he as far as his performing, top drawer. No one really compares. Uh, so David Hasselhoff, so what do we got? We, we got two knocked out here. We got Jimmy Jameson, David Hasselhoff, who is fortunately still alive, and maybe we can get one more Night Rider out of him. Um, but let's move on to someone that, that you may have really not heard of, other than the fact I know I've highlighted his work on Sovereign Tech in the past. And that's Stan Bush. Stan Bush, uh, he also had a band in the 80s called Stan Bush and the Barrage, uh, where they released a couple albums. Stan Bush is best known for the song uh, The Touch, which arguably, and I've said this before, arguably is the most re-performed, remixed song in history, maybe next to Rhythm is a Dancer. <laughs> Not done by Stan Bush. Uh, that was a 90s kind of club hit. And Stan Bush, this guy really is one of the ones that still, I mean, Hasselhoff was still coming out with albums, no doubt, but Stan Bush really still comes out. He just had the ultimate come out this year. Uh, and in fact, the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and I, I think we were going to an airport or something at one point, And she, uh, you know, kindly said, Hey, why don't you know, you want to put on some music? And I was like, yeah, you know, what do you want to hear? And she's like, Oh, just put on something. And I, I played pretty much the entire, the ultimate album by Stan Bush, which is his new one. Uh, and, end. And she loved it. She thought it was fantastic. And it is. It's, it's great rock. Uh, there are awesome songs on there. Uh, Heat of the Battle, uh, The Ultimate, the song itself, The Ultimate. Uh, there, there's just a slew. It's track for track. And, of course, the obligatory remixes of The Touch are on there. <laughs> so uh, that's it's a great album. But he had other. Dream the Dream was the album that came out before that, which was phenomenal. But the real beauty that turned me on to Stan Bush beyond the fact that now, of course the touch everybody knows from transformers, the movie, not the bullshit. Okay. That, uh, you know, that, that came out a few years ago. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the animated movie that came out in 87 or 85 or 87. And on that, you Stan Bush actually performed a couple songs on there. He did dare and the touch. Um, but he, in let's see, this would be 2006, 2007, around there. He released an album called In This Life. Now, again, the obligatory re remix of The Touch is actually Dare is on there as well, uh, are on there. But this was one of those times where I was, in fact, I remember what I was doing. I was downstairs. We, I, where, when I was, where I was living at the time, I was in New York. And we had a finished basement down there, and I was actually helping it get get finished by uh, putting together some uh, some furniture. And because you couldn't buy furniture and bring it down there, it just wasn't possible in that house. You had to buy buildable furniture and then put it together when you're down there. And I was listening to it and I just turned it on. My best friend, uh, who I call Spock, my best friend Spock, he he actually at the time he uh, he's like, you got to check this out. And I listened to it, and I cried. I literally cried because I heard music that sounded like it was from 1987. Just, it just sounded like it was 1987 and I knew it was brand new. And my mind was positively blown at the fact right from the opening song. Uh, I'll never love again was, is the opening song on, uh, uh, on in this life. 
And uh, then there was another song, This Moment. There, I mean, it was it's another track-for-track track album. And this just came out not that long ago, just a few years ago, you know. And, that's the, and again, that's why I'm doing this special, because most people don't realize that a lot of these artists from the 80s are still pumping out some of the best music in the world today. Value subjective? Sure. But anyway, uh, that, that album just, it, it blew my mind, and it ended off also with a really great, uh, that he kind of recorded a new Transformers song uh, called uh, When All Are One, and uh, awesome, uh, or Till All Are One, not When All Are One, Till All Are One. And, Stan, but he just, and he just keeps coming out with this stuff. He doesn't stop, you know, and he actually, he petitions to get onto uh, various you know, various uh, uh, other projects he's tried to, he's made mixes to try and get on the, the new Transformers films. But of course, Michael Bay won't let him because Michael Bay is kind of pissing all over the entire Transformers mythos as he goes along uh, with, you know, zero respect. And, uh, but, but, you know, he just, Stan Bush keeps trying to put it out there and he keeps, and you listen to the ultimate. I mean, this is just top drawer music. It doesn't matter what time frame you come from. It's great you know, you're coming from and, and your taste comes from. It's just great music. It might be the best album that I could list off uh, during this special is, is the ultimate. It is really, really something. So check out Sam Bush. Uh, he might be a little difficult to get your hands on his music as well. Unfortunately, a lot of these that could be so. Maybe I need to remedy that. Maybe I need to put up the torrent that allows you to get your hands on the music by these guys. Uh, but th- it's, again, this guy just doesn't, I don't know what it is. Nobody knows who Stan Bush is, really. I can't picture he's making a whole ton of money off of his albums. Uh, But he just, you can feel it. He's playing like he's the biggest thing on earth. It's really, it's impressive. So let's move on from from that. So we got Jimmy Jameson, Stan Bush. In fact, you know what? Real real quick, some quick trivia for you. Uh, About a week before Jimmy Jameson died, I actually emailed him. And separately, I emailed Stan Bush and I asked them, I was like, look, I, I'd love to use one of your songs, either or, you know, whoever said I could use it, I, w- I was going to go with. I'd love to use one of your songs. You know, we could draw up a quick shot of paperwork. You know, I can't really pay you for it. But just to get you known out there, uh, I'd love to use one of your songs in the first game from Zomi Offline Games. And if it does well, we could talk about doing things in the future. And, uh, you know, a week later, Jimmy Jameson died. Uh, it's really, yeah, I mean, that's a genuine shame. Uh, Stan Bush has not, you know, gotten back with me yet, but then I, I imagine, you know, he could be a pretty busy guy. Cause like I said, look, the guy doesn't quit, you know, <laughs> nobody knows who he is, but he just, at least in America and, and, but he doesn't quit. He just keeps making great music. Uh, anyway, so there's a little trivia for you, but, uh, let's move on to uh, a guy that really probably deserves very little introduction. Everybody kind of knows who he is. But uh, once again, they don't realize that uh, that he still has tons of great music coming out. And that's Billy Idol. Uh, Billy Idol, of course, most people know for, God, you know, White Wedding. Uh, he was originally with Generation X, not D-Generation X, but originally with Generation X. Uh, you know, he did Money Money. I mean, a whole bunch of songs. Uh, really, really famous. He did that great song with Sam Kinison. He did Wild Thing with him. Which was a little weird, I gotta admit, okay? Because if you watch the music video for Wild Thing, now you have to understand that Billy Idol is at heart a punk rocker. And, I mean, now people, you know, punk uh, fans will say he sold out and, you know, went to pop and rock and all that stuff, whatever. That's fine. But when he was originally with the band Generation X, 
like part of their thing. And, and I, as far as I understand it with the whole punk scene was very much about social issues and, uh, you know, combating racism, uh, you know, very seriously. And so it was kind of weird that in uh, Sam Kinison's Wild Thing, Sam Kinison, the, uh, the, the comedian, but in Sam Kinison's Wild Thing, Billy Idol's in that doing some of the backing vocals along with some other greats. Uh, like Richie Sambora and and others, and he's wearing a Confederate flag as a as a you know <laughs> around his neck, and it's just kind of strange, right? <laughs> I mean that this this is a guy who's really big, or he who at least at one point in his career was really big on on fighting racism, and yet then he's wearing this Confederate flag. Uh, yeah, did, you know, a bandana around his neck didn't didn't make a whole lot of sense. But anyway, regardless of that. He's a tremendous artist. Uh, he had a greatest hits come out in boy, was it 2001 where he, he did a, a, a great uh, rendition of don't forget about me. Uh, that was originally by simple minds and was a really famous song back in the eighties. Cause it was at the end of the breakfast club. Uh, and, and on that greatest, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. He does a, uh, uh, I think he did a, 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 what do you call it? Acoustic. He did an acoustic version of Rebel Yell, which is another big song by him. Of course, you know, you have White Wedding, you have Rebel Yell, uh, Money Money, uh, Rock the Cradle of Love. A great, great song. A lot of people never heard that album, uh, Cyberpunk, that came out in the 90s. Even that was great. But he kept coming out with really solid stuff after that. Uh, and he, I mean, he even had Devil's Playground that came out just a few years ago. He's got another album coming out. Uh, this year, I believe, 2014, and he even did a holiday album. And, you know, I, I, I'm an atheist. <laughs> I can't stand, uh, you know, any of that stuff. But his holiday album was pretty rocking. It was about the best thing I'd heard since, like, you know, maybe Elvis did Santa Claus Comes to Town. So <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was it was good. Anyway, Billy Idol, you know, most people skipped a lot of his music but so much of it is so solid and devil's playground uh, was awesome. Uh, and he's really, in many ways, that guy's very much a fountain of youth. He still looks fantastic and he is definitely getting up there uh, in age, but he has not lost his touch. I, I was able to see a little bit of a club showing of devil's playground. And, and that was just awesome. So revisit that. Also, you know, most people like a, a lot of times the way people experience 80s music, of course, is on these compilation albums. And so they never get to hear the stuff that never touched radio. And I think it's really true that a lot of the best songs in history never, never did get on the radio or, you know, never got their play, never got their, their Internet play or airplay or whatever you want to, you know, call it now. And he has a ton of songs that some of them were genuine hits, but just never make it onto those compilation albums or never get used in some movie that's making fun of, uh, of an era that really deserves veneration as compared to insult. Uh, like uh, Flesh for Fantasy. Oh, man, what a song. Uh, and like I said, half the cyberpunk albums just just top drawer. So check out Billy Idol if you haven't. Uh, you know, if you've only heard a couple of his songs, you're really missing out on a lot. Uh, but let's, let's move on from that. Let's go with something that's, uh, that, that really follows more of that. Talk about somebody who you only know one song by, uh, the next guy I want to bring up is really, boy, you know, how do you call favorites, right? Uh, this is a guy I made it a point later in life when I had autonomy to see in concert every year. 
every every opportunity I got. I haven't been able to in, in recent years, and uh, he's over 60, and so I really would like to see him again, and, and maybe I can make that happen. But I made it a point to see him every single year, uh, and he is a phenomenal performer. He has a lot of fun. He gets right into the crowd, especially when he's live, and uh, he does all kinds of wild things. In fact, he even, one show I saw him at, and this was just a few years ago, he actually grabs somebody's cell phone. This is before smartphones were the big deal. He grabs somebody's cell phone and like, okay, this is when you had like the five, who are your five, your top five. And he's like, all right, I'm going to call number four. And it was the woman's boss. <laughs> and he's calling this, you know, this woman's boss up right in the middle of a concert. Oh, it was something. And she was, she was freaking out. And of course he, he gave it back and just, he screamed out, Hey, it's Rick Springfield. And there it is. I revealed who it was. Uh, Rick Springfield's amazing. I've been on cruises, uh, to see Rick. you know, they would hold a, a Rick Springfield cruise, kind of like they would do kiss cruises and all that stuff. And I would, uh, gladly, you know, go on those and, uh, Rick Springfield, everybody knows for Jesse's girl. Now I've talked about Rick Springfield on sovereign tech before, but I think it's important to bring it up again, <laughs> because uh, since I think I talked about him, he's had a, another album uh, come out, Songs for the End of the World, which is a great album. I wouldn't say it's as good as the pa- the previous two, that being Venus in Overdrive and uh, Shock, Denial, Anger, and Acceptance, both of which have come out within the past decade. All three of these have come out in the past decade. We're not talking about, you know, even his 80s stuff. And this is especially those previous two albums I mentioned his hands down best work he's ever done. And in fact, if you look up, especially for SDAA shock, denial, anger, and acceptance, if you look up the reviews for that, you're going to read really positive reviews from people. And because they're just going to be like, wow, how did this guy age so well? And they're not talking about physically, uh, even though he is in tremendous shape, especially for being over 60 now. Uh, and a lot of people have seen him, you know, getting it on in Californication on TV, uh, you know, with David Duchovny, which was hilarious to see him uh, acting again. And because he was a he was a serious actor for uh, quite some time. And uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, they, they were just saying that, look, this music is fresh. This music is I mean, they almost said the word hip because the music was just so, you know, so with it. It was so good. It was so new and so relevant and it really is. It's it's solid stuff. But everybody just remembers him for Jesse's Girl. You know, maybe they remember a couple other songs, um, Celebrate Youth or The Human Touch, which, yeah, speaking of The Human Touch, if there isn't a song and, you know, pay it, you know, pay attention to this, because like David Hasselhoff, granted, this guy didn't you know write his own music. Some of the some of these people that I'm going to list off in this top eight did not write their own music. Okay. But Rick Springfield really did. He really, he wrote, performed the whole shtick. He was very involved in the creation of his music. And, uh, you know, the human touch, when you hear that, I mean, apply it to today and boy, you just go, wow. You know, he called that shit. He really like, uh, you know, there's a, what is it? Susie was dancing around, dancing to a drum machine, but then it was all talking about, you know, people being interconnected, but they're not really touching each other. And that's like the whole point of the song. And just listen to the lyrics and you'll just go, wow. Yeah. That, that really hits it where people are connected, 
but they're not really connected and everybody just kind of needs the human touch. It's, it's, it was pretty awesome way ahead of its time. So anyway, he had a ton of hits in the eighties, uh, though, again, no one will ever play any of the songs other than, uh, Jesse's girl. But, uh, I mean, this, the stuff still keeps coming out and I hope he comes out with another album. I mean, songs for the end of the world was great. The two albums previous to that were fantastic. He had albums before that he had karma. Uh, he had an alive album that he, a live album that he released called alive, which was just insane. How intense that was his performance of Allison on that live album was, I mean, wow. You know, talk about a sexy, heavy hitter. Uh, it was something. So I, I hope he, you know, keeps coming out with this stuff. And yeah, another thing about Rick Springfield, a lot of people don't know, and he fully admits to it. And it's kind of weird. But if you think about it, he was now most people don't realize this. When he was a big deal, he came out with his album Working Class Dog. This is the early 80s. This is the album that Jesse's Girl was on. He had another song on there called Sylvia. Now, he's like 30 years old. Now, to speak nothing of the fact that he was going out with Linda Blair, who was well under age, uh, that's, you know, make of that what you will. Um, <laughs> maybe things were different in Australia back then because Rick Springfield's Australian. But he he wrote the song called Sylvia. Now, in the 80s, I mean, he was, you know, on the cover of Tiger Beat and and uh, Bop and whatever other, you know, teen teenage girl magazine was out there, uh, which Nowadays, you, you just you wouldn't imagine that a 30 year old could possibly be on those, uh, you know, on the cover of those magazines or be that big of a deal. But he wrote this song, Sylvia. And just picture this. A lot of teenage girls, really young girls, were listening to his albums, were listening to Working Class Dog. And the song Sylvia, which sounds like this really pretty ballad, is totally about fucking. It's all about because it, it's inside Sylvia. And this is one of the things about 80s music, and I think you can find out a lot about it, if, especially if you listen back to a lot of these, uh, these artists, and we still got a, a few more to go. But in the 80s, almost every single song was incredibly sexual. And in fact, when you thought it was just a nice love song, usually it had nothing to do with love at all. Take, for example, Sting's Every Breath You Take, or The Police, that is when he was with The Police. Every Breath You Take, everybody's like, oh, that's the greatest love song of the 80s. It's not a love song. It's about Big Brother. How many people knew that? So anyway, a lot of the a lot of the songs, I mean, just everything meant something else back then. And you could say, well, who cares if you don't know that that's what it means? What does it matter? Well, maybe that's all fine and true. But when you realize that so many of these songs, you know, were just completely about sex, it, it, it really it, it's amazing how clever these people were, because now the music industry is so stale and disgusting that they have to be you know, kind of overtly sexual just to try and sell an album as to where back then they could do it pretty cryptically, but they had such great music and riffs that, you know, they could still get it out there. Cause you know how I feel about sex. I love it. I want it all over the place, but I'm just saying that you could see the talent difference between today and then. And uh, Rick Springfield was really, and still is a master of pulling off that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, nobody thinks about that. Like she bop. The song She Bop by uh, Cindy Lauper. You know, everybody loved that song. It's all about masturbation. It's all about a woman masturbating. I want to get with the lion's roar. The whole th I mean, it's, oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> so Rick Springfield still coming out with some of the best music out there easily. Uh, and I definitely recommend the album Shock, Denial, Anger, and Acceptance, as well as Venus and Overdrive. In fact, if you want to hear one of the saddest songs you'll ever hear in your life, Venus Overdrive. There's, uh, I think it's track four, Oblivious. Ooh, man, 
tell me he still doesn't know how to, you know, pull on the heartstrings with music and make people feel. He really does. But let's move on. Uh, that That's enough about Rick Springfield. Uh, most people, again, there's a, what do you mean? You Jesse's Girl, I'll listen to Jesse's Girl. No, 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 no. That's his worst song. There, there's, there, the hits just keep on coming. In fact, in, in every other country on planet Earth, besides the United States, if you buy a greatest hits by Rick, by Rick Springfield, it's three discs long. It's a three CD set because there's that many hits. It's just in the U.S., you know, people get force fed their music. They don't actually get to choose what they like. Uh, let's see. Let's let's go on to somebody else. Uh, let's let's get a little more mainstream, maybe. Uh, and this is one that I think a lot of people wouldn't really argue is easily one of the greatest musicians in history, because uh, honestly, he can play over 20 instruments. Uh, and he's had a long string of hits. And even in the U.S., speaking of three, you know, three disc greatest hits albums, this guy had it. And that's Prince, not the artist formerly known <laughs> anymore. Fortunately, uh, he broke free from the slavery of Geffen, but uh, Prince. And yes, he still releases incredible music. Uh, he got a little bit of fame back in, boy, what was this? Oh, oh, two when Musicology came out, uh, which is really when he brought back the name Prince. Of course, everybody remembers, you know, Little Red Corvette, uh, When Doves Cry, Purple Rain. Purple Rain's an amazing movie. Great song. Uh, Darling Nikki. Boy, you want to talk about the sexiest song in history, Darling Nikki. Uh, you know, everybody remembers his 80s hits, Get Off, uh, Cream, you know, <laughs> Money Doesn't Matter Tonight. I mean, just just great, sexy stuff. But anyway, he came back uh, in around 02, the early aughts. He came back as Prince. He, you know, he was doing his uh, all of his stuff as the art, artist formerly known. And he was working with the new power generation, trying to bring a whole bunch of artists up and doing some really avant-garde stuff. And I hate to use that phrase avant-garde because usually it just means it's nuts. But it really was great pop stuff and, and like nothing else out there. And it was still good at the same time. But uh, it was a rave unto the new generation, right? So Prince comes back. He does Musicology, which is an awesome album. It's got some great funk to it. It has the song Cinnamon Girl, Life of the Party, that could, you know, easily... The song Life of the Party, I mean, that could be played anywhere. Uh, lots of good stuff. Then he had 2010. He had a whole... He's had a slew of albums since then. And not a lot of people paying attention. But talk about a guy that has a pulse on what's going on. Now, Prince, of course, a lot of people would go crazy. He's like, well, Prince is really big on copyright. He's an asshole as far as copyright goes. Uh, yeah, so Metallica. So stop listening to them, too, while you're at it. Uh, and if we're going to get crazy about people, you know, uh, getting mad about copyright, we need to do some reflection, I think. But that's another story. And Prince, you know, he, he made this really famous statement about uh, about maybe eight years ago, where he said, look, the Internet, that thing's over. <laughs> now, one could say that's that's crazy. I mean, because obviously he was just hating the fact that his albums probably couldn't make as much money due to pirating or something like that, which I'm not going to get into the economics of all that crap. Uh, the point I want to bring on is that, you know, I wonder if he was actually onto something, if there was more to it than just that soundbite that he said that the Internet is kind of over because now he's got a new album coming out with uh, largely in part with Third Eye Girl uh, this year, 2014. And one of the songs on it is called Clouds. And you can listen to this for free on SoundCloud. And it's not it is exactly probably about what you think it's about. It's about cloud services. It's about cloud. You know, it's about the Internet. 
And it's a really clever song. And, and I recommend checking out the lyrics. Uh, I mean, you know, kind of the chorus sort of, you know, we don't need no clouds, no. And, and it's all about sort of like I was mentioning with Rick Springfield, where, of course, Rick Springfield was saying it, you know, 30 years ago as compared to now that, uh, you know, we're missing actually touching each other. You know, we're missing actually being in the same room with each other and things like that. And I, I, you know, the song really, I thought it was very relevant. I thought it really had something to say, albeit a very basic, you know, one could say a basic pop song, but it has an awesome riff. It has a, has a, you know, great hook. I should say not a riff has a great hook. Uh, the, the whole, the whole thing, it's an awesome song. It's really smooth. Uh, definitely you'll, you'll feel right at home listening to it, you know, and it's sexy, just like Prince can always deliver. And it's kind of got a little story weaving through it. So anyway, I've heard a couple other songs from Prince's new album, all solid, still coming out with great music. You know, again, this, this guy is a genuine, I think just about anybody on this list, except for maybe Hasselhoff, you know, you could genuinely say it was a musical genius, but Prince is like a genius of geniuses. I mean, he is so far above and beyond. Uh, I don't think the world is by and large ready for a lot of the music, particularly that he was producing in the nineties. Uh, I think he was going places that most people just couldn't follow. And I'm not even saying I could follow. Uh, but he's still cranking out albums, you know, well into the 21st century. And they're all awesome. I can't wait to hear his entire work, his entire masterwork that uh, that he's doing in uh, in 2014. Um, now, I'm going to go to the next artist. And this is this is a little bit of a cheat. <laughs> Because while this guy was certainly performing right and left throughout the 80s and into the 90s, uh, and obviously because he's in the special, he's still performing now. Uh, this is a guy that was more popular in the 60s and 70s. Like his, his best known hits are certainly from there. But he never really stopped. Um, and in fact, speaking of Prince, one of his biggest hits, arguably... His biggest, you know, radio hit as far as by the numbers, he borrowed from Prince. And the song is Kiss. Uh, and it's Tom Jones. Stop laughing. I got pulled over for listening to Tom Jones. Really? <laughs> uh, there was, a, I, I had a CD, a collection of Tom Jones. It was the 20th Century Masters. This was a, a really popular, uh, cheap, greatest hits collection that you could get for a whole bunch of artists. Uh, back in, in the nineties. And, uh, I had this collection. It was like a 14 song collection. It was fantastic. And it was all Tom Jones. And I was like, well, you know, I really like, I, I had just seen Mars attacks in theaters. Okay. And I was like, boy, and Tom Jones starred in that. And of course, you know, his song, his, his classic song, it's not unusual was in it. I was like, well, he was really cool. It was really funny to have Tom Jones in this. This is great. I should pick up his music. And so I bought his greatest hits and I was just blown away. I was like, wow, there is so much feeling and heart in this. And I wasn't an old person by any means. I mean, I was a teenager, but I could just, you know, I just recognized just all the passion in, in his music. Uh, and of course he did a great job with Prince's, uh, you know, hit kiss. Uh, but <laughs> in fact, arguably he may have done it better than Prince which is really saying something, but Tom Jones hasn't stopped. Uh, he still has, you know, he's, uh, being often called, you know, the Welsh gray Fox, and he is still coming out with, you know, 
album after album, and his voice has certainly gotten a lot smokier as of late, a little raspier. I'm sure that comes from cigars and uh, whatever, whatever other, you know, alcoholic beverage he's enjoying. Uh, but he, he's still solid. He's still great. 24 Hours. I just, 24 Hours came out a couple of years ago. He just had another album come out recently. Uh, but 24 Hours was awesome. I mean, you know, it's classic stuff, certainly not your average 80s fare. It has, in fact, has very little to do with the 80s, but that's not the point. The point is, is that this is an artist that has been performing decade for decade, almost putting out hits up until like perhaps the past 15 years, though his songs are certainly hits in other parts of the world. But this guy doesn't stop. And the music's sexy as hell. I mean, it, it never quits. And there's so much feeling behind it. And really, especially if you listen to and, and go ahead and go back. Because most people haven't heard any of his classic songs either, other than It's Not Unusual or maybe uh, What's New Pussycat. Maybe a lot of people know the song from the movie or, uh, you know, Thunderball, of course, from the James Bond film uh, or Darling Delilah or A Daughter of Darkness, I think, might be one that a lot of people know. But there's some killer songs. Uh, I Who Have Nothing, uh, Never Gonna Fall in Love Again, uh, uh, Green Green Grass of Home. Some of the ones that are actually he updated songs from way back. So it's not like he's not used to, to putting his own flair onto things. Awesome music. I mean, yeah, you're, it's going to show its age, no doubt. But there's no, there's really no putting a year on on passion and on really deep felt, uh, you know, music and performances. Uh, I, I mean, just 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 top top drawer stuff. And in fact, I remember in maybe it was two thousand ninety nine or two thousand when he came out with his album Trick or Treat, and he performed it on Jay Leno. Uh, I mean, it was just, the guy was as youthful as you can imagine. And I mean, and by then he had been in the music industry for Christ, 30, 40 years. <laughs> I, I, some of these, some of these artists, you know, and I don't know, I don't know how this happens, but some of these artists really, can you picture, how, all right. Can you picture corn? That's K O R N. I'm still waiting for their album on the cob. Uh, but can you picture corn performing in 20 years? No. <laughs> not a chance. Can you picture Slipknot performing in like in the next 20 years and somehow still being relevant and coming out with really like good shit? No, no, not at all. And I don't know why that is. I don't know how it is that take like Judas Priest. They just had, uh, you know, an album come out recently again. You know, how does how do these guys still, you know, 30, 40, 50 years into the business? How do they keep coming out with such solid work? Now, with Tom Jones, it's a bit different. He doesn't really write his own music. I, I understand that. Okay, but uh, these other people, by and large, that I'm listing off, not including Hasselhoff either, they're still making their own stuff, and it's all so good. I don't know what the magic is. I, I, I really, I don't know what the trick is. The only thing I, I've ever theorized is that they just, they have this foundation uh, because, you know, actually, I know where I heard this. Tony Iommi. Tony Iommi, of course, Black Sabbath, you know, metal god all the way. Tony Iommi was asked, you know, how are you guys still coming out with great new music? Because this was at the point where uh, where he kind of started, kind of started a new band with Ronnie James Dio just before a couple of years before uh, Dio died called Heaven and Hell, which is really just a redo of, you know, Black Sabbath Mark II, if you want to call it that. Uh, and which, by the way, Heaven and Hell, the devil, you know, incredible album. And Tony, you know, I, I think it was Eddie Trunk, the great Eddie Trunk was asking Tony, you know, how, how do you guys do this? How do you keep coming out with all this great music? And Tony Iommi said, he said, well, here's here's what it is. He says, musicians today, 
like he was talking about metal musicians in particular, they only know metal. You know, they're they're making metal music because that's all they know. He's like, we listened to Frank Sinatra, you know, the blues and, and they just they go down all this classic music, all this foundational music that has really brought music to where it is, or at least where it was in the 90s. I can't imagine what brought music to where it is today because it's such an atrocity. But that I think that's the kicker is that you've got to have that solid foundation. And so because they knew all these different styles and forms of music, uh, that's really what gives them their longevity. And uh, in fact, I remember Tony Iommi in that same interview, he had said that uh, he doesn't listen to a lot of modern metal, uh, which I thought was was really interesting. And in fact, he even said, he's like, if I did, I'd probably end up copying what they're doing, uh, which, you know, take that for for what you will. So it's really incredible, and I'm glad I'm getting to highlight this. We've still got another artist to, to get to, okay? But I'm really glad I'm getting to highlight this, that these guys just haven't quit. They just keep on going. You can't kill them. And fortunately, there's some record labels out there that are still willing to put their music out there, including their new stuff. Uh, and again, once you get outside of the United States, which if any of my listeners... I'm kind of side tangent. If any of my listeners have never left the United States, do so. You don't have to stay away, but just see what it's like elsewhere. <laughs> Though, I don't know, you know, maybe with the Internet, maybe things are just kind of all being the same now. But uh, but especially when I was doing a lot of traveling uh, in the late 90s and, and uh, you know, in the early aughts. Going outside of the U.S., tastes were just drastically different. Uh, I mean, there, there was... I found out about so much great stuff uh, when I walked outside the United States, uh, far better than the stuff that's actually in the United States. Uh, even even into the, the, the later aughts, it was still kind of possible. But with the Internet, maybe everybody just listens to the same stuff. I don't know. Uh, but, oh, man. Anyway, it, it is all the same. You should do it just so you can see that everybody's really the same as far as, you know, that they're all human. Uh, but if you can get to see some different tastes and get to really see, you know, I want to, a band that I've always enjoyed, and some might find this ironic, is Manowar. You know, I, I mean, they're <laughs> these are American boys born and bred. You know, all all the uh, all all the tropes and stereotypes that you can imagine that, that goes along with that, and yet nobody knows who they are here. You know, you got you got to go to Europe to find out that they're one of the biggest metal acts uh, in history. And so that's still true. So maybe hopefully you can get out there and you can find some, you know, just some amazing bands like Nightwish or Within Temptation or uh, Amaranth or, you know, whoever. Uh, but let's uh, all right. Let's get to the last artist that I, <laughs> I don't like these top eights to go longer than an hour. So I want to get into this one because this is a guy that just had an album come out in July. And in fact, a uh, couple days of this uh, before the the time of this recording that I'm doing with you right now, he just released his uh, his first video for the album, uh, and he in the video, very sexy video, incredibly sexy. It's a ballad, and it has Daisy Fuentes in it. I know when's the last time you heard that name, right? Uh, and she, of course, she still looks fantastic. I'm, I imagine she's in her forties or something. Uh, but the artist, of course is Richard Marks and Richard Marks, his album that he came out with is beautiful goodbye. And that's also the name of the, the song that he made the video for with Daisy Fuentes. And this, I, I listened to the whole album today and it's kind of what inspired me to, to want to, uh, to do the special. 
along with, you know, Jimmy Jameson dying, of course. Uh, Richard Marks is just, <laughs> again, you wonder, how do these people make so many great songs? In the 80s and the early 90s, Richard Marks would come out with an album. He's only had, you know, six, seven or uh, mainstream, you know, main albums. Uh, he's had, you know, compilations and some other, uh, you know, oddball albums out there otherwise. But but that's about it. I mean, he had a Greatest Hits album come out in 97. 20 songs. This Greatest Hits album was 20 songs. And every one of them, and this is coming out of three or four albums, every single one of those songs was a top, was like a top 10 hit. How do you do that? How do you get 20 songs into the top 10, you know, radio AOR, <laughs> uh, inside of four albums. That's I, in fact, I don't know many people. I don't know of anyone else that's pulled that off 20 songs. And if you haven't heard any of his classic stuff, uh, the way she loved me, uh, hazard, you know, <laughs> uh, satisfied, I mean, song after song, uh, now and forever, I'll be your man. Just great, great tracks. Not all ballads either. Uh, this guy could rock them as well as, you know, do, do a great ballad. And his, the size of his hair could match. <laughs> uh, please check those out because it's great music. But, you know, he kind of went on hiatus after the 97 release of the Greatest Hits album. No doubt about it. But then, you know, around 2000, 2004, 2005, he started releasing, you know, a bunch of albums. And his latest one, uh, Beautiful Goodbye, is incredible. I mean, he did a he did a double album uh, in, in 09 or it was 07. He did a double album. Uh, fantastic work. And he got fortunately, he got to some degree on the interview scene and he was able to come out and say, he's like, what are we listening to? These people are auto tuned. They're not even really singing. I mean, he just went down this whole. It was amazing to hear somebody finally say it. And it was somebody saying it that has as much musician cred as you could possibly have, because Richard Marx is a part of his music, you know, writes it, performs it, the whole shtick, as much as anybody could ever do. I mean, he is as much a perfectionist as, uh, as Michael Jackson probably ever was. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous artist. And so it was great to hear that, but then also not only for him to do that, but to not worry about the fact that maybe his albums weren't selling that well, but just like Stan Bush to just keep pushing out, like he's still the biggest act in town to keep pushing out all these great songs. And you can hear the polish. You can hear, you know, just, just the high level of production in this music. It just won't quit. And he keeps putting it on. It, it's, it's incredible. Uh, and again, the, the newest album, uh, and it's available just about any way that it's possibly available. Uh, beautiful goodbye. I mean, you, you're in for, for some real feeling. And, and that's the thing too, is that now some of these, some of these acts that I listed off, you know, are, are going to come off as kind of cheap hooks as, as they would say in the music industry, but others, you're going to really, you're going to really feel that passion and you're going to know that it's not coming out of a booking office it's not coming out of, you know, somebody saying, hey, let's let's put out this great hit. Hasselhoff not included. <laughs> He's an oddity just because I don't think he gets mentioned enough. And the guy really was a big deal. And nobody knows about it. And that's why I brought him up. But the other seven, you know, these people are top of their game. They are masters of their craft. And they, by and large, have to perform, you know, every stitch of it and have to put together every stitch of it. 
And they really deserve the amount of art that they've put out there. They really deserve a good look at, a good listen to. You know, now, if it's not your style of music, okay, I know I have some listeners that are country fans. And hey, man, go hit up that Hank Williams III, please. All right. <laughs> I can dig that Psycho Billy. I'm all about it. Uh, but if, you know, if you're open to something new that in reality may be not so new, check these guys out. This stuff's amazing. And in fact, throw them a little cash while you're at it, <laughs> you know, if, if you can. Uh, because they deserve it. I mean, this is just, this is phenomenal, phenomenal work. And they're doing it knowing they're not going, you know, to, to be playing at the, uh, you know, at the halftime show of the Super Bowl. That might be the most amazing thing is to hear actual art from people that just care about the art and they know, they know they're not going to make the big time. I mean, Jimmy Jameson had no illusions that he was ever going to have another eye of the tiger. Come on. You know, Rick Springfield knows he's not going to go break in the top 10. Richard Marks knows it. All these guys know it. They're playing for the fans. They make a little bit off of that. They're a working man band, whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever phrase you want to use for them. And, you know, they just, they do it for the love. And I think that's awesome. And I think that's, that's the real kind of, uh, you know, that's the real stuff I want to hear from. That's the real artwork I want to see is not the, not the stuff that's put together in a booking office, not the stuff, you know, that's thought of by upper management, but the stuff that just, you know, that really comes from the heart as far as art. And that really at the end of the day, it's not for that ridiculous, you know, sum of money. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying we're, you know, it's coming from the right place. And so in my opinion, so check this stuff out. I, I, I love it. Every album, everybody I listed off, I have pretty much all of their albums and I listen to them often and I don't think there's any crap at all. Now, granted, sometimes you have to deal with a bit of cheese. Okay. You have to deal with the fact that, yeah, I mean, in some ways, look at what it's coming out of. You know, it's like, wow, this seems really positive. If you're listening to some of their older stuff. Well, it was in the eighties when guess what? Greed was good, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, people were living it up back then. Hell yes, the music was happy. You know, they're not, it's not inauthentic. So give it a listen. Check it out. I think these artists deserve your time. And who knows what you'll find. And I did this because I don't, I don't hear anybody else mentioning this sort of thing. I listen to some music podcasts where they talk about the latest news, and they don't talk about any of these people. They don't get the time of day. So the Golden Stallion gives them the time of day that they, that I, that I want them to have. That's important to me. So anyway, uh, this is, I've got other top eights coming. Don't worry. I know you guys really enjoy them. In fact, uh, I did posit the question to the sovereign tech listeners. Do you want sovereign tech longer or do you want it twice a week? And, uh, one, one emailer actually uh, very graciously said, you know, I want twice a week, but maybe shake it up. Maybe do a top eight, and then do a regular episode. Make that your two a week or something like that. And so if that's something you think is a good idea, you can let me know about that too, because I'm still deciding how I'm going to work out, work all this out. But uh, it's good to shake up a podcast every once in a while. I feel like a lot of people just kind of like 
roller coast and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a big, and I'm not big shit, but you know, you know what kind of podcasters I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't need to change anything. I'm the big stuff. I, I I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. No, I, I like to, I like to keep things fresh and going and give you something new. So, uh, if twice a week is something you're interested in, if you like that idea of a top eight and then having, um, you know, having a regular episode, uh, a week, maybe we'll do that. Just let me know. Let me, let me know what you're interested in. I'm very open to it. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this special. Uh, I really enjoyed getting to talk about these guys and getting to highlight them uh, and hopefully having it show up in a search that registers as 2014 instead of the time before there were web searches. <laughs> really. Uh, anyway, Carpe Luchem, everybody. I'll see you on the other side in the next episode, regular episode of Sovereign You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.